tone, that sound, that jingle, that music, that means it is time for Philanthropy in Focus, and I am your host of Philanthropy in Focus, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you, you know where, from the top of my house. I'm in the attic. What a surprise. I've been in the attic for 18 months. No surprise at all. Uh, I actually sneaked out of the attic or snuck out of the attic. I left the attic yesterday for a little while. I played some golf. Um, uh, did the right thing, socially distant. You know, we are in a pandemic universe right now, so I was safe while I played golf. So, listen, at this show every single week, I do uh, I, I do one thing, or I, my intention is to do one thing. It's to amplify the message for the nonprofit organization that's joining me, have the leader tell the story, their story, the story of the organization, talk about the impact they're making, and then also talk about what the organization needs, who are they looking to connect with, who are they – uh, potentially looking for maybe make a strategic alliance with. Do they need volunteers? We're going to talk about, with that with Paul about that today, about volunteers for his upcoming um, uh, camp sessions. So we will get into that. But I believe this, and, and if you paid attention and listened to me at all, if you're just from this show or from wherever else you might have found Tommy D, nonprofits are overlooked, as we all know, often underfunded. I was just on a couple of phone calls this morning speaking with some leaders of organizations about funding sources. And, and, uh, unrecognized for the work they're doing. And my answer to that is let's amplify their messages. Let's get their missions out there and let's get people excited about nonprofits. Nonprofits make an incredible impact. I know they do. If you're paying attention to listening to this show, you either feel that way or you will by the time we've, uh, we've shut this show down. So listen, we're in almost about 40 episodes of this program already, which kind of is, it's unbelievable because this was an idea I had and I didn't do it. And then I did do it. And now we're going into, uh, I'm already booked out into the new year for dates for this show. Uh, so really, without further ado, Paul Rubin, good morning. Welcome to the show. Welcome to my attic. Thank you so much, Tommy. Good to be here. You know, man, I know you're you're one of the guys who's watched a bunch of my shows. So I feel like even when we were talking before and the other day, you know, I, I didn't need to prep you too much. You know, the, you know I, I feel like on the game shows when they said, you played the home game, right? So I feel like you've played the home game. <laughs> You've seen how this is done. Uh, it's it's all about you slash the organization in whatever order we go. But really, I want to know about why you would be drawn to this need. And we're I'm gonna, before we even jump into the conversation, I'll read some of your background and a bit about the organization. But what we're going to find out, folks, is who is Paul Rubin? What is this organization, Camp Good Morning, all about? And how can maybe you make an impact to help out and support this organization? So I am going to refer to my notes very quickly, Paul, but I really want to get into you telling this story much more than me just reading it. But Paul Rubin is the founder and executive director of Camp Good Morning, which and morning, it's a play on words, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, which is a 501c3 organization that provides free bereavement camps for Long Island children coping with the death of a parent or sibling, which you may not know, folks. And I will go to my notes again. One in seven Americans will lose a parent or sibling by the age of 20. One in seven Americans will experience the loss of a parent or sibling before the age of 20. And we're going to talk about uh, how this organization is really doing its best to make an impact for a trying time. Paul has been recognized by the Nassau County Executive as well as Project Hope for providing crisis counseling to Hurricane Sandy survivor, survivors. And he's also been recognized by Suffolk County officials for his work with to the Child Abuse Prevention Services, or CAPS, at, for his uh, for providing classroom workshops on bullying and cyberbullying prevention and intervention, internet safety, sexting, and sexual harassment. He earned his master's degree in school counseling and his advanced certificate in mental health counseling, and he specializes in grief and loss. 
Paul, I just want to mention one thing about the organization before we just jump into the conversation. But really, it was 2018. You looked at the landscape on Long Island and you said, you know, there's not a camp that's providing the services that that you felt were needed. Yes, there were camps, but they were not overnight camps. There were not camps that were providing multiple uh, seasonal camps throughout the year. And the big thing, which we'll talk about later on, is the simultaneous parent camp. So these are some of the key differentiators, which we will get into. But, Paul, tell me about you, man. Like, I, I always ask him, like, how did somebody get into service work? Like, why? Right? Like, uh, we all could, you know, make decisions and go get, you know, different jobs. And there's a point in our life when we we're at a crossroads and there's this, um, do I go right? Do I go left? You know, do I go straight? So what was it for you? What drew you to this type of work? Yeah. So th- thanks, Tommy. So I think, you know, uh, part of it is that, uh, you know, we all have, we all grow up with different experiences and, you know, in, in my experience, I, I know that, uh, you know, I've seen kids who, who sometimes fall through those cracks, who don't get the support that they need. And um, I was drawn to that. Um, and so I started off, I'm a lifelong volunteer. I started off just volunteering as a a little league baseball manager, you know, for at, in my early twenties. And I just continued to do that. And the more I did that, the more I saw the need for support, because uh, as you know, parents can have a lot of enthusiasm as you know, on the, on the baseball field or on any field. And sometimes kids don't necessarily understand that their parents want the best for them. It just comes, sometimes it comes off a little, you know, harsh. And so, you know, I really felt for those kids and I wound up, uh, after a, a career as a television producer, um, I was going, uh, doing more and more things that related to children. Um, I decided that I was going to first volunteer at a camp for kids with cancer and their siblings. So I did that for five years as a cabin counselor. And that was an extraordinary experience um, because that's a different type of loss. Um, that's, it's a, you know, whether the sibling has lost a sibling due to cancer or the loss of innocence, the loss of medical security. Um, and it was, it, it was a gift to me to be able to just be there for a child and not do anything but listen and allow them to you know, have fun and just be a kid. Um, and that kind of brought me to a bereavement camp. The director of that camp said to me, Paul, you know, there's another camp that I do. It's, it's in New Jersey. Um, it's a bereavement camp for children who are coping with the death of a parent and or sibling. And, um, you know, I think that you might be a good fit for this. What do you think? And I said, sure, you know, I'd love to do that. And again, this is my own journey. Yeah. So it's, it kind of took me along from uh, from a really great career as a television producer um, and where I could be really creative. But then all of a sudden, you know, as you get older, your, your priorities kind of shift. And that's what happened to me. So I did volunteer at this camp. And the very first camp that I um, volunteered for, I was paired one-to-one with a 9-11 child. Um, his, he lost, he was eight years old. He lost his dad um, at the Trade Center. His dad worked at Windows on the World. Um, and, you know, so you get a little bit of background information on, on, on a child because uh, you are paired one-to-one with them. So you want to get an idea of how you can support them, what you can do. Um, and one of the things that I learned about this child was that English was his second language. So I knew right away that there was going to be a little bit of a barrier. Um, the other thing that also came to mind was that uh, the family did not have a car. 
Um, and that's because it's not because they were poor. I, I don't know what social status they were in, but it just makes sense. If you live, live in the city, you don't necessarily need a car. Yeah. Um, and so they traveled from New York City to the camp, which was in New Jersey. It was a 90 minute um, car ride. And because they didn't have a car, the camp provided a town car for them. And so when they got to the camp, you know, you could see the trepidation. Now, again, you have to put yourself in, not you personally, but one has to put themselves in the position of this eight-year-old child. He was all by himself in the town car? No, so no, 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 no. with, with his mother. With oh, his, his mom. Mother. Okay, his mom's there, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, um, they came up and you could tell he was, you know, a little uncertain and a little, you know, anxious, which is completely understood. His mom was going to drop him off for a weekend with 150 people that he did not know. So I, I try to imagine, you know, you try to imagine yourself put in that position. Sure. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be with all these people I don't know. I don't necessarily. Um, scary. It's scary. It's very scary. Um, so you know, that, that, was, that was the beginning of that experience. And throughout the weekend, it was a weekend camp, just like we are. Um, and throughout the weekend, you know, he didn't talk very much. Um, he kind of stayed by himself. And when I say stayed by himself, we were always close together, but um, he didn't always venture out to, you know, hang out with some of the other kids. Um, and with that, you know, comes the part where you just wonder, is he getting anything out of it? And uh, in between activities, I would kind of throw out some very general questions, such as... Oh, well, know, let, me, let me interrupt you. Yeah. What language? He said he English was his second language. So what was his primary language? Spanish. Do you speak Spanish? Very little. Okay, so not a, not a whole lot there. Un poquito. Yeah, right. No kidding. I understand. Yeah. So, that, <laughs> so that's... Um, so that's... So the language barrier was going to be, unless his English was pretty good. It was, it was pretty good. It was enough for him to make conversations. Okay. So, okay. Um, but yeah, again, it's, it's, it's a very scary yeah. uh, adventure, so to yeah. speak. Okay. So yeah, uh, go ahead. What did you want yeah, to no, say? No, you're checking in with him throughout the, the weekend kind of, and, and you're kind of uncertain, like, is this, because what you want is you want this, this little boy to, to have a good experience, right. And to benefit from this, but you're not real sure or clear if anything's, going really well for him, right? Exactly. And I'm yeah. wondering, as a first-time volunteer at this type of camp, how am I doing? Am I doing an okay job? Am, right. I, am, I, am I supporting him in the way that I need to support him? And um, so in between activities, I, I remember this, you know, as clear as day, we were going from the dining hall back towards the cabins, which is up a hill. And I asked him a very, very basic question. And I said, you know, what did you like to do most with your dad? And he said, <laughs> and a very, you know, very kid-like thing, he said, you know, I just like to have a baseball catch. Um, very, very simple want, very, very simple need. And so that encouraged me. So I, I immediately followed up with another question because finally he said something. Yeah. Um, and I said, so, you know, I knew that his dad had worked on, was a chef at Windows on the World. So I said, you know, so, you know, what kind of food did you, did you like that your dad made for you? And again, another very kid-like answer, which was bacon and eggs. You know, <laughs> how, how much more American pie can you get than throwing, having a catch with your dad? It reminds me of Field of Dreams, right? Yeah, um, sure. and, and so, you know, and that was pretty much the extent of our conversation, really. Um, even, our, even in the support groups um, where he can talk or not talk, he chose really not to talk much. Um, and he was always fidgety. Um, but what I do remember was at the very, very end, 
um, when it came time to go, um, his mom could not make it back up. I think she had to work. So the camp again ordered a town car for this child. And the town car came up. And when I was told that this child was going back home in a car by himself, after hearing all these grief stories of all these children that he was involved with, my heart broke for him. Um, and, and I remember the slow walk to walk him with some of the other veteran um, camp people to his town car. Um, you know, we probably stopped around 10 feet behind him as he went to the car. He went to grab for the door and then he slowly turned around. He came back and he grabbed my waist and gave me a hug. And it was, I'm getting the chills again. Every time I tell this story, I, I get, I get chills. Um, and then he was off and I worried about him. You know, I was concerned about him for the rest of that time. And it was all I could do to keep it together. And I remember we would always process at the end of camp in a big circle, you know, somebody had asked me, you know, what was that like for you to watch him go away? And I remember I couldn't speak. I, I was, I was just caught for words. The, the good thing is, the good thing is, is that he did decide to come back to the next camp. He did request me to be his big buddy. And again, it's not anything that I necessarily did, but he found a connection. And then I saw when he came out of the car, he was there with his mom, with his mom and his little brother, because his little brother was now of age to attend camp. He saw me, had a big smile on his face, and he, he gave me a high five and in stride walked right past me and met up with some of the kids that he, that he remembered from the last camp. That's awesome. That's awesome. What a great story. I Listen, you know what? Good time to take a break because you and I are getting too mushy and emotional right now. So we're going to we're going to go to a quick commercial. Um, Paul, thank you for sharing that story. And I'm sure we have many, many more. Paul Rubin, my friend who I haven't seen in the physical form in a long time, is is here with me in the virtual attic. This is Philanthropy and Focus. The organization is called Camp Big Morning. Thank you for that story, Paul. We'll be back in 90 seconds, everybody. Come right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 
Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You know, Paul Rubin, I got to tell you, man, it's been a long time since I got really mushy and emotional on the show. It's got to be a couple months. I mean, there was a, there was a stretch there where I was basically getting welling up every single episode. So, um, so you brought me back to that very incredible story. Um, the tragedy of, of loss of a parent, of a sibling, uh, one in seven, I said it earlier, and I'm sure I'll mention it a couple more times today, but Paul Rubin gang, it's philanthropy and focus. Obviously that was a song. You heard it. Uh, nonprofits need connections. So meet me in the attic. All right. So Paul camp, good morning. Uh, it, it takes place in, in it, and I'll just do this, but I want to continue with your story. But yeah, these camps, the, have, the campers have the ability to share grief stories if they like to, identify and explore their feelings that they're going through, and identify healthy and unhealthy coping skills, which we'll probably dive into some of that. So, so you're out in Jersey, you have this incredible experience. At the, did I, were you there five years? Did I write that down correctly in, at that camp in New Jersey, that bereavement camp? No, that, that one, I, I, gosh, um, I'm trying to think when, when the last time I volunteered until it was over, it was way over 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I volunteered for that camp. Sometimes they also occurred in the, in the spring and the fall. So I would volunteer every spring and fall. I would travel from my Long, from my Long Island home to the middle of New Jersey. Um, it was about an hour west of the GWB, George Washington Bridge, um, in, a, in a small town called Blairstown, New Jersey. Um, and I would do that at least twice a year. And when when they had additional camps, I would do it up to six times a year. So, you know, part of the thing was that, as you know, um, with MetLife Stadium, I think it's called MetLife Stadium now, with football yeah. games happening in the spring, I'm sorry, happening in the fall and, and baseball happening in the spring, you know, the traffic can be horrendous. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I was wondering, why isn't there something like this on Long Island? Why don't they have a comprehensive grief camp where they have overnight stays where they do it you know more than once a year where you know you can you can really go where kids can go and really get that same experience and so as this was going on it was it was only a seed it was only a seed and um over the times when I would be sitting in traffic, I would think about it. <laughs> sure. I would remind you that seed would start to germinate and grow, especially when you're sitting on either the uh, the Cross Bronx, for those of you who almost <laughs> know, that's how we get off of this island, or the Bell Parkway, another way we try to get off of this island. Sometimes you can walk faster than you can drive on the Cross Bronx or the Belt, let's be honest. But but that would that would inspire me to set up something, set up my own shop here so I didn't have to go to New Jersey, for sure. So... So this seed starts to starts to germinate. What happens? Absolutely. So it, you know, it's, it starts to germinate, and then I start formulating a plan. And, you know, it's, I started at first. I checked out what was on Long Island, and there are other bereavement camps on Long Island, and they do a great job. Um, but there wasn't a bereavement camp that there there was no bereavement camps that were over that had an overnight component. So let me ask you, because I was curious about this when, you know, I, I might have made a faux pas in a video I put on last week to, to promote this show. And you, you pointed that out for me and you said, you know, Tommy, we're not the only Long Island bereavement camp. We're the only one that has this overnight component. So my question really is, and I thought about this, what, what is that, the benefit, what is the advantage? Why is that important to have that overnight component? Yeah, so it's super important for those of you who are listening, you know, just imagine the time that you spent at your friend's house on a sleepover. 
um, and, and, and think about that bonding process, about the, about the talks that happened, about, you know, hanging out with your friend for the entire day, then going sleeping over at their house, waking up in the morning, having breakfast, and then going out and playing the next day. It's the same sort of thing. It's like this turbo bond that takes place. And that was that turbo bond phrase was it was coined by another organization. But I, I happily you know, I like share that. it with other people because it's such it really describes what it is. Yeah. So it really helps to build bonds and forge friendships. So that's that's why that's really important. The other thing is that, um, you know, the camps that occur here are day camps. Um, and that's great. But when when the kids go home, they disconnect. And then when they come back, they have to reconnect and they may not act, they may or may not reconnect at that same level. Right. So so that's, that's another thing. The um, one other way that um, we are different is that we don't operate in the summertime because there are other camps that do that. Uh, We wanted to fill the gaps in services. Simply, it's as simple as that. You know, we know that kids and adults don't just grieve in July and August. It's year round. So what happens in those, you know, what happens in the spring and the fall and the winter? Um, Well, we wanted to just fill those gaps. So we decided that we were going to make it, you know, we would have one sometime in April, May, or June, and then another one sometime in September, October, or November. And again, we are happy to, you know, share resources. You know, if, if we know a child needs support, more support, then we, we give them the resources. We might even share the other camp with them. You know, our, we're not in competition with, with those. We are all four kids. So the goal is to just provide them more of the same, but by filling those gaps. And by filling those gaps, once in the spring and once in the fall, we offer it twice a year. So again, that just adds to the difference that we provide for those campers. And the last way that we are going to be different is that we are going to offer a simultaneous parent camp. Tell me about that. Yeah, I read about it. It sounds incredibly interesting. And I guess, uh, I'm guessing it gives the parents a bit of respite because they're now, you know, that that this is assuming it's, well, either way, whether they just lost a child, which is obviously tragic and, and, or they lost uh, their, their spouse, which is also tragic. Um, They're grieving, but now they have to also, be continue to be a parent now if they've lost their spouse a single parent to raise this one or or multiple children when do they find time to go and grieve and take care of self that's i i I think that sets up where you're going right yeah that's that's such a great point tommy because i i remember i was um i remember a parent came to me again some things you just don't forget um it was a 14 year old boy his dad came to me. He wanted to know. This was after camp was pretty much done. It was still on the campsite. And he said, so how is my son doing? And, you know, I, I kind of shared a little bit. But, I, you know, we don't share specifics simply because it's confidential. Um, but, you know, he kept on asking about his son. I'm really about, I'm concerned about my son. And, and then I just turned to him and I said, how are you doing? And you could see his face change his lips started to quiver and the tears started to flow. So caregivers are so concerned about their children that, and that's their, that's their priority, but they don't think about themselves. And so it's really important. And part of what we do is we change the focus or split the focus so that parents know that we're here for them as well. And that they need, you know, I I use the, um, 
It's an analogy of putting on the, the oxygen mask. Have you heard yeah, about that one? Of course, yes. So, you know, for, for those who are not familiar with it, you know, if you happen to be in extreme turbulence and you're on a plane with your child and all of a sudden the oxygen masks come on, uh, the parents first, their very, uh, you know, their first instinct is to put that oxygen mask on that child. And in essence, that's a wonderful thought. But what happens if you don't get it on that child? What happens if you don't get it on that child and you pass out and that child passes out? No good for anybody, right? You're, if you're broken and you, you're, you can't breathe in the scenario, the analogy you're talking about there, but uh, yeah, easier said than done, right? And I know this in my own world and my own experience. It's like, I'm, I'm good. I'm cool. I'm fine. You know, it's all good. Let's just get the kids do what they need. Um, but there is a point when, you know, when we're not good, you know, and I talk a lot in my world and one of my calls this morning is with an organization I'm very close to in the mental health space. And I think not to make assumptions about the entire world, but I will say a lot of us have different mental health issues that we're working through and um, to to put it out there and just, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And to your point, not put the oxygen mask on. That's a great visual for us to, to see. Uh, you're not going to be good at some point. You know, we can always bend, we could bend so far. And especially when you're talking about the, the loss, like we're talking about right here. So what is that, what does that side of the camp look like simultaneously for, and again, that sounds like a key differentiator for camp good morning as well. Is that right? That is correct. Um, so, what it looks like is simply it's it's the same thing. The, the, uh, the campers go to one side of the campus. The parents go to another side of the campus. They attend their own support groups with their peers, and they can discuss the things that are most important to them. And there'll be different topics, some main themes that will come up. You know, so it, it might be sharing their grief story, very, very similar to what we do with kids, sharing their grief story, identifying and exploring their emotions. It might be have something to do with, you know, now that my spouse or my partner um, has, and we use, we don't use euphemisms. So we say died and dead, um, especially with kids. Um, Why is that? Um, because for kids, um, if we say someone is, they're sleeping for a younger child, they're, they, they're just sleeping. Right. Well, what happens if they, what happens, you know, they're in the ground, they've been buried. What happens when they right. wake up? Um, yeah, so, I mean, even, even something like passed away or passed on, you, you don't even use those. Yeah. And, and the reason, yeah, we don't, um, we'll usually say loss uh -huh. um, or yeah. die or dead. Um, and again, the reason for that is just to, we've become so um, trained not to say anything, yeah. you know, it's that stigma of, yeah. of death yeah. in the right. same way that there's a stigma around suicide or there's a stigma around mental health issues uh -huh. we have to break the stigma and in order to do that we have to educate but that's that's so interesting like it's where it's not we're not trying to make it nice and you know and and just you know take the edges off of it this is real we this person is, is now gone and they have died and you know especially for a child who really doesn't get what we're saying when you say you know so and so passed away you and i understand what that means but for a child who's in these formative years who might not get what that is, let's be more specific. I, I understand that. Yeah. I, as it does, I, I feel it though. It feels a little tougher, but I understand why, why we do that. When we come back, we're going to take another break, but when we come back, I really want to understand 
who the counselors are and like what sort of background from a bereavement perspective, because I was just, I've referenced this call now a couple of times, but the call I was on with a friend of mine this morning, she works for another organization. She's looking to do some volunteer work. And I said, well, you know, I had mentioned that I was meeting with you today because she likes to listen to the show. And, uh, and, and she has some experience in, in the bereavement world. So she might be somebody that, that could be a good fit, but I want to understand who it is on, whether it be on the volunteer side or, or staffers and things like that. So um, we'll do that when we come back, believe it or not, we're moving fast, Paul, but this is the show. You've seen it before. This is how I can't even believe it. I can't, it's, 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 I see it's 10 28. It just, we just keep moving. The clock just keeps moving. We just watch it. So <laughs> we'll be right back. Come back and see us in the attic, Tommy and Paul, philanthropy and focus. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you a cannabis enthusiast? a cannabis professional, or interested in entering the cannabis space. I'm Johnny Tsunami, and this is Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. On our show, we will discuss the cannabis world through the perspective of various cannabis professionals. Tune in every Thursday evening, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., Talk Radio NYC, Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. This is Philanthropy and Focus. Cut through the static. Join me in the attic every Friday morning, live, 10 a.m. Or you can always check us out on Facebook, Talking Alternative Broadcasting, or on talkradio.nyc, and wherever you get your podcasts. That's where we go. We turn the show into a podcast after we're done making it live. All right, so here's the thing. I, I just shared, if you're watching on Facebook, I just shared the dates for the upcoming camp. Uh, there is a camp, again, uh, following CDC and New York State COVID guidelines, but camp is set at Camp Aquatic. Did it again, right? I got it, Paul. Camp Aquatic. Awesome. 
Santa Mauritius, right out in Santa Mauritius here on Long Island. And that will be November 5th through November 7th of this year, 2021. Uh, it says two-day training, October 9th and 10th. So I'm guessing that's for volunteers. So why don't we do that? Let's jump right into um, volunteers and, and kind of their, their backgrounds and counselors and whatnot. So talk to me about that. Sure. So um, the bulk of our volunteers are our big buddies. And big buddies are simply like big brothers and big sisters. They come in for the weekend. Um, we like to try to pair them one-to-one so that that child has the ability to just focus on one person who's with them. And that one person gives them their undivided attention for the entire weekend. Um, and we all we ask um, from those volunteers um, is that they have a really big heart and they have to be a great listener. They do go through a very, very stringent uh, interview process. And that's because, um, you know, we want to make sure that we select people who are going to be really supportive of our children. They're already very vulnerable. Um, You know, we want to make sure. And of course, if I was a child, if I was a parent of a child going to a bereavement camp, an overnight bereavement camp, I would want to make sure that, you know, that camp did their due diligence. So what does that um, look like? Background checks, the whole barrage. Obviously. Yeah. So they go through an application after they, after they uh, complete the application, we look over the application. If there are no flags, then we ask them for an interview. They're interviewed by two or three of our staff at a time. Um, after that interview is done, if there are no red flags, we invite them to the volunteer training, which is two days. Um, and after the volunteer training, if there are no flags, Right. Um, we invite them to take a background check. And if there are no flags, then we invite them to our camp. As long as we, we agree, you know, leadership agrees that they're a good fit. So we, we really do ask, we, uh, to, to make it really plain and simple, we don't just accept warm bodies. Right. No doubt. Well, again, I, I mean, how could you? These are our children we're talking about, right? So you, exactly. you know, we always want to make sure that everything is uh, is in place. I like how you said, if there are no flags, then we move. And it's like three or four rounds of if there are no flags in order to, to get this happening. So, so I do have another question kind of off base. Um, and, and it's, I want to get it in. So I'm going to ask it now. And then we can go yeah. back to camp for a second. You'll leave doing all this work voluntarily out in New Jersey. And, and, and you say, I, I see this opportunity in Long Island. You formed a nonprofit organization, right? So talk to me about that. That's no easy feat. So <laughs> so I ask it that because there are some of my friends who are listening who run organizations. There are some of my friends who have a seed germinating who want to start a nonprofit. And a lot of people go, oh, I want to have a nonprofit. So because you and I know some community members together and whatnot, I, I figure it'd be cool for you to tell me what was that sort of like? So, uh, you know, this is a great story. So, um, you know, I had no idea what to do. And I was just going around presenting to different Rotary clubs and Kiwanis clubs. And one of the one of the persons at a Rotary club said, you should contact Pro Bono Partnership. How it started. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a feeling. Um, And and um, she said, you know, one of one of my colleagues works there this is the person that you should get in touch with and that person was melissa greenberger oh come on see i didn't even know that to set that up like that so melissa's a friend of ours a friend of, of paul's mind the show the whole thing 
Shout out to Melissa. We should actually get Melissa on the program one of these days. Talk yeah, she, about she, she's, yeah, she's a she's a chock full of information, and she is so so helpful. So I have to tell you that you know for, for the past three years, not only did they help us to incorporate, um, but every time we have you know some sort of contract uh, that we need to have made or something that needs to be done. Um, there's a reason why they call it pro bono (laughs) because we could not do what we do. We could not serve breathing children on Long Island if it was not for the pro bono partnership. So I want to just mention them too, Paul, because pro bono, the volunteer lawyers, strengthening nonprofits and our communities. So pro bono partnership is a 501 C three organization providing free business and transactional legal assistance to other nonprofits. They recruit and support volunteer attorneys with a range of specializations to help nonprofits in Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York to achieve their goals, avoid risk, increase capacity, and better serve their constituencies. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think it's a good opportunity. If you want to connect with Pro Bono, you can go to probonopartner.org, or you can always reach out to me, and I'll make a connection for you. And my email is tommyd at philanthropyinfocus.com, P-H-O-C-U-S, but by now you probably know. So back to you, Paul. I feel like we're like you're a producer again. Back to you, Paul. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, but I'm, I'm glad you took the time because, you know, we have to help each other, right? Um, that's, that's what this is all about. It's about each totally. of us kind of just helping each other. So, you know, they've been very instrumental. The other thing about volunteers is that, you know, those are the volunteers who are big buddies, but we also need registered nurses and we also need support group leaders. So support group leaders are mental health professionals. So they could be social workers, psychologists, mental health counselors, um, school counselors, and those are the individuals that lead the support groups. And, and they're all volunteers as well? All volunteers. So, all. so this is a free camp and and all volunteers. So, and wow, I mean, just just incredible feat that you're able to pull this off. You're, we, you have big funders, like how, how do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, not we we don't have any really big funders, so I know that you know there are there are no big names throwing you know you know six six figure checks at us. Right. There's, not, there's nothing like that. But we do have some really great you know funders behind us. We we just found out that we the you know we were a recipient of the uh, townwide fund of Huntington. Okay. Um, you know that that uh, organization, another nonprofit. So you know it's it's really about the generosity of the public. Um, that's who we count on. Um, there are, you know, organizations, there's LICF, which is the Long Island Community Foundation, which I'm sure you're aware of. Um, but still the, the bulk of it is based is through donations, in-kind donations, grants, and sponsorships. Um, yeah, and, and we're talking with a specific bank right now about a, a sponsorship as well. Um, some people that you and I have connected with as well. I probably know who you're talking about. Yeah, that's great news. I'm glad to hear that. Um, that, that you have something there, but I want to, so, so gang, listen, if you're touched and, and if you're not, I don't know what you're listening to, but if you're, <laughs> if you're touched by what Paul and I are talking about, uh, the, the website to get in touch, well, how do they get in touch with you, Paul? Is, should they go direct to you? Camp good morning, M O U R N I N G.org is the website that I've been showing on Facebook during the breaks, but how do they get in touch with you or your team directly, Paul? Yeah, they can just, uh, they can either call 631-772-9115, or they can just shoot me an email at uh, paul.campgoodmorning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, at gmail.com. Perfect. 
All right. And if you, if you didn't get all that, reach out to me on email and we'll get you connected to Paul. But if you, uh, if you missed it, just uh, go back and listen to this later on and pause right there and write it down. So, <laughs> so that's how you do that. Um, Paul, let's, um, let's talk more about what else does the organization need? Cause you're, you're talking about nurses. So you're talking RNs to, to come out and are they on staff um, as a, you know, as you have a protection, you have a nurse there in case someone is injured, or are they also involved in the kind of day-to-day what's going on as well? Well, traditionally, nurses um, are not involved in the day-to-day stuff, but we want them to be involved. So, um, you know, usually at camps, they're, they're in their health office, uh-huh. um, but we want them to be out amongst our campers because the only time campers go to the health office is when something gets hurt. And all they know is that they're going to get hurt again when they go to the health office. So we want our nurses to be more involved in the activity so that they're no longer a feared entity. Um, and and uh, the other thing, uh, you were mentioning the nurses, and, and, and I think that there was one other thing. What else did you mention? Oh, I went to the support group leaders we were talking about and yeah. about sponsorships and stuff. So I guess I want to... I, Walk me through a day in, in the life at camp. You know, I, I, I get there on Friday, I guess, right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of deal. So how, what's that look like? What's the experience look like? Yeah, so the first thing, as soon as you get there, um, you get all your, your um, swag stuff. You'll get your T-shirt, your name badge. As a volunteer, you'll get all that stuff, and then you'll meet all the other volunteers. Then we do some great icebreaker activities just to get you ready for camp and to kick up your energy. Um, after we do that, you have a conversation with your support group leader to, to, to discuss the nuances of, of your group, you know, the age group, what to expect in terms of at that children who are grieving at that age. Um, and then again, then the kids start arriving and that's really where it really kicks in. Um, and uh, the kids get their swag. They start meeting their big buddies. They meet other kids. Um, then we go into something that's called a big buddy share where, or a volunteer share a, a young adult will share their own grief story with the entire camp. And what this does is it role models for what these children are going to experience in their first support group. And we encourage people to ask questions of that person who's sharing their grief story. So imagine one person standing in front of 150 people sharing their loss. What happened? Let me me stop you for a sec. So, So it sounds like some of the volunteers, maybe many of the volunteers have experienced this type of loss and death of a, 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 um, a parent or a sibling. And that might be, or probably is exactly why they're, there volunteering. Is that, so do you see that's the majority? And, and I'm going to have to wonder what, what's the youngest that somebody can volunteer? What's the youngest age? The youngest age a volunteer can be a 16. They can be an LIT. So 16 and 17, you are an LIT leader in training. Uh-huh. Um, and, but they're not paired with a child. They do a lot of work with behind the scenes. So, so how old? How old for the one-on-one? Is that eighteen or is it older? Eighteen and above. So these are these these could potentially be campers that have been through your organization and are now on the other side to 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 really help out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we that's what we want. We want yeah. them to give back because of what they've received. Really special work. Um, I want to ask a lot more questions about that, and I want to ask if you said to me, Tommy here's a wish list or I said, Paul, give me the top three things that you need. What does this organization need? Yes. We know donations are important to our nonprofits. We get that, but some of the other stuff, it might be volunteers. I want to know if you even have enough volunteers, you can hold that because we're going to come right back. We're going to go to a quick break. This is philanthropy and focus. Come back. We're going to uh, roll the show out and finish up with Paul Rubin and Tommy D right back. 
Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Do you feel uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Oh, Paul Rubin the founder and executive director of Camp Good Morning is here with me. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So this this comes out of a, an idea. This comes out of, I'll, I'll blame it on traffic. I'll blame it on, <laughs> you know, how undesirable it is to leave this island to try to get anywhere else, That which is, you know what? You're serving kids who need to be served, so that's good enough of a reason for it to happen to me. So, you know what? Bumper-to-bumper traffic on the belt and across Bronx, maybe not the worst things in the world, because out of that comes Camp Good Morning. I don't know if that's exactly how you see it, Paul, but that's that's, how, that's pretty much what happened. That's how it's playing out for me, man. You know, if yeah. you, you could have got to Jersey so quick and you saw that the, the kids would be served in Jersey from Long Island and it would have been okay, maybe this doesn't happen. So 2008, Paul uh, founds this organization with the help of our friends at Pro Bono Partnership and uh, making an incredible impact. I'm looking away, folks, because I'm just trying to look and hit upon these things again. So throughout the camp weekend, campers attend four support groups, one on Friday, two on Saturday, and one on Sunday. They have the ability to share their grief story. Many campers have not even had the opportunity to do just that. So that's a whole nother conversation unto itself. They, they also will identify and explore their feelings, identify healthy and unhealthy coping skills, and learn how to stay connected to their loved ones even though they are no longer physically with them. Just as important, we encourage campers to stay connected to their new camp friends because when they return home, go back to school, they are not going to have that 24-7 support. This goes into a question I had, actually, Paul. Um, They're not going to have that 24-7 support they had while at camp, so we want them to build their own community of support in addition to their family. So I want to ask you about that. How does that work, and is, is Camp Good Morning positioned at all to encourage Yes, encourage, but also support 
uh, those friendships that have now happened? Yeah. So one of the things that we love to do is try to keep the families connected. So we will have events throughout the year. Remember how we talked about filling the gaps in services? So, you know, so we're talking about if we occur in the spring and the fall, then we're going to try to have an event in the summertime, in the wintertime, you know, in the early spring, so that we can, we can make the events occur. We just can't make our families come to those events. They have, and, and we also know that it's really, really hard for us. And we talked about this, um, is that, you know, it's really, really hard for a single parent who now has to take over the other 50% of the parenting duties, the other 50% of perhaps, you know, the, the uh, fiscal responsibilities, you know, all the errands, it's, it's really, it's a real, real challenge. So, you know, what we try to do is make it easy, is bring them all back together at one time so that they can, you know, see who they are and then slowly cultivate those relationships. So maybe, you know, the two, maybe two boys or two girls or whoever it happens to be, um, you know, they make friends, then maybe they can have a pizza date, you know, maybe they can go to the movies together. And that's not just for the kids, but then that's really helpful parents. to parents. No doubt. And, and I guess too, like the fact that this is Long Island based, are all of your campers Nassau or Suffolk County, or are they, you got some folks coming out of Queens as well, or what, what's that look like? Yeah. So that's a really, that's a really good point. So we do accept campers from outside of uh, Nassau and Suffolk counties with the caveat that there's room for them. So our, our catchment area is Nassau and Suffolk County. Um, however, just like now, we currently have room for additional campers. So we have one or two um, campers from coming from the Queens area. So when you say room for it, that means this is a question I was asking before the break. Do we have, do you have enough volunteers for your one-to-ones? What, I mean, I, I know I asked you, and, and I know there's definitely a need for something specific, as you told me before we started the show, but talk to me about the, the numbers. You have room for campers, but what do you need to pull off camp this year? So what we need to pull off camp this year is more male volunteers. Typically, we get tons more female volunteers than male volunteers. Um, we need support group leaders to run those groups. Um, and, and those are the two, just for, just for camp, just for this coming camp, we need male volunteers and support group leaders. And again, support group leaders can be a mental health professional, a social worker, a uh, psychologist, a school counselor, a mental health counselor. Um, we provide, I provide, and my team provides all the education that you need when it comes to grief. So during that two-day training, we're going to give you a lot of information about grief. So even if you're a support group leader and, and grief is not your specialty, we're there to support you because, because you're supporting us. You're supporting our kids. Um, and male volunteers, again, what we look for primarily, if you get through all those steps, yeah. is we look for a good heart and a really good listener. So, gang, listen, if you're listening and you're a good listener and you want to give back and you want to support and maybe you you've been through the tragic uh, loss and, and death of a parent or a sibling, for that matter. And this really is something you you know, we're doing 60 days of service. You hear me talking about it here every week. Um, maybe this is the right service for you. Maybe you want to be involved. You know, um, maybe uh, maybe your kids are grown. And this is something you want to get involved with, or, or maybe you're, you're, you're a young person and, and this is, you know, in your twenties and looking for a way to give back and make an impact. And I know this, 
uh, our younger generation is all about that, all about service and, and giving back. So in, let's go back to how do they get to you, Paul? I showed during the break. So if you're watching on Facebook, you showed, you saw that I showed you a link where you can uh, go ahead and fill out a volunteer application. There's also a camper uh, application there. So again, Paul, share the contact info for everybody one more time. Absolutely. So if, if you want to check, uh, go to the camper application or the uh, volunteer application, go to our website at campgoodmorning.org, and you'll see um, camper. Uh, that'll be somewhere in that black strip on the top third of the uh, website. You can also reach out to us by phone at 631-772-9115, or you can reach out to me directly, um, paul.campgoodmorning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, uh, at gmail.com. Perfect. That's all the contact information. We, the dates are the 5th through the 7th for this upcoming uh, camp. Um, what, what would you, if you had to think in terms of what organizations can we get you connected to that, you know, I, I think in terms of some of the high schools that, you know, you can get some camper, uh, some support. It is a weekend event. So, you know, it's not during school. Um, although those, those are not going to get you your one-to-one buddies. But are there other organizations that you think you want to connect to that maybe you're not connected to or a chapter of an organization that you have been connected to and maybe we can do the same thing elsewhere? Anything that comes to mind for you there? Uh, nothing in particular because we've been pretty good about reaching out to um, – on. We, we do a lot of social media work on Facebook. Um, so we've been able to reach out to the Circle Case for the, for the LITs and, and we, we're definitely on social media and we're getting a lot of inf- – uh, referrals from Facebook and Instagram. Um, I think the biggest thing that we're looking for post-camp right now is growing our board. Um, We definitely want to grow our board, somebody or an organization that has a real passion for supporting children. And we're looking in specific areas of of support. So it's more of a working board than, um, uh, you know, uh, somebody just coming in and, and lending you know, uh, networks, uh, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does make sense. Um, it, it was, is there a way, um, for, are there videos out there that show what, what camp life is like? So somebody might want to get a feel for it. You know, you talk about social media, where can somebody find anything like that, that, you know, the last couple of years of camp? Yeah. So, um, we don't have our own, uh, video of camp. However, you know, we can certainly direct someone to a, a different video of another bereavement camp that gives you a very good sense of what it is uh, in the day of camp. Um, it gives you the highs because it's a real roller coaster ride. You know, as you saw today, you know, we, we heard some touching stories and then we would break out in smiles and start right, laughing. Right. And that's exactly what camp is. People think that this is a real downer. Um, it's not the case, it's a roller coaster ride. We go from sing, you know, singing repeat after me songs and eating s'mores to, you know, honoring our loved ones in a very, very moving ceremony. So, um, yeah, it, it's just uh, unbelievable. I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, the dates worked out. We got you here today, certainly leading up to camp, which is a month and a half out. So I want to talk about ways that I might be able to be impactful. We'll talk about that offline for camp. Um, thank you, Paul, for, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for the incredible work and the impact you're making. And thank you for joining the show today. I appreciate you. No, I, I appreciate you, Tommy. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. This is Philanthropy in Focus. I am Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. Next week, 
founder and CEO of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation. Mara James will be here. Um, she's working to improve mental health for children, wellness, and support families. And she has a book called, which is actually on the other side of the attic. I can see it right now. It's called The Power of Piggy Bear, which is a therapeutic tool for three to seven-year-olds to increase their EQ, which is emotional intelligence, and uh, in a fun and loving way. And a Build-A-Bear that Build-A-Bear has actually created Piggy Bear plush. So they got hooked in there. So there's always, you know, these opportunities for strategic alliances. But I was reading that right off of Mara's LinkedIn. So check in with us in the attic next week. Mara will be here. How do you get me? Look at the Instagram, TommyD.NYC. Watch for 60 days of service. Day number 15 next week with the Marty Lyons Foundation. I'll be at the golf course. <clears throat> um, TommyD.NYC on TikTok as well. YouTube, the whole thing, and Facebook, obviously, and Tommy D uh, at philanthropyandfocus.com. This has been a great day. Paul, thank you very much. Kyle, my buddy on the other side, taking care of the engineering duties. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye now. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. 
This channel features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 